I too welcome all of you here today for this Sunday service and also all of you that are joining us online today. I'm going to begin today with a reading from, usually it's from Whispers of Eternity, but I was reading Songs of the Soul recently and I liked a very, uh, a small one that I want to read to you. It's called One Friend. Many clouds do race to hide thee of friends and wealth and fame, and yet through mist of tears I see appear thy golden name. Each time my father, mother, friends do loudly claim they did me tend, I wake from sleep to sweetly hear that thou alone didn't help me here. Didst Thou alone didst help me here. God's our friend, our father, mother, friend, all. But I think it's kind of nice. I, I prefer to think of God as my friend. The Divine Mother is my friend, counseling me, guiding me uh, through this journey of life. And today, I think this is, uh, of the different readings over the course of the year, this is, and I think, one of my favorites because we get to talk about the star of the East and what that means, what is it? And I wanted to share a few thoughts about it. And I think I'd start with asking this question, which was the title of the chapter actually? What was that star of the East? I mean, was there such a thing? And now of course we as devotees accept that and this is what Master said, but in the world at large, I think every year You'll read in the articles, the internet, now papers in the past. You read about, and there's always an article, what was that star? And I think it's probably been for millennia now that scholars, historians have been asking that question. And of course, they come up with the standard answer. Well, it must have been a, maybe it was a comet. You know, or it was, it was Venus shining extra brightly or the conjunction of multiple stars. You've read these articles, I'm sure. <laughs> and, you know, and, it's, and I suspect years from now, centuries from now, probably that same question is going to be asked. Did it really happen? Was there really a star there? Now we take it on faith that yes, there was a star there. But I was thinking as ever I do when I read these articles, I said, does it really matter? You know, is the story true? In other words, then they go on from the star. Well. Wise men, ah, uh, you know, did they come, uh, or if they did, when they did, that sort of uh, nature that, you know, people fall into that. And again, I asked the question, well, does it really matter? Because there is truth in the story, even if the story is untrue. Because the story of what happened, and even you see in Matthew, he tells the story one way, and Luke to, you know, a couple books later, he tells it slightly differently. They didn't agree. But does it matter? Because that's not the truth. The truth is something deeper. Because that message of what took place a couple thousand years ago is alive today. And that message was something mystical. And Matthew was used, who was a disciple. You know, tradition has it, St. Matthew, one of the disciples, direct disciples, he was announcing 
right at the beginning of the Gospels, the New Testament begins. And he was setting the scene, setting the stage for what was to come. And he was telling us, this was no ordinary man who had been born. And he's telling the audience right away, this was something special. This was a divine incarnation. And for those who have ears to hear, he was saying it came, that star, he was a manifestation of the consciousness of that star because we know from our teachings it was that star represents the Christ consciousness and Jesus Christ manifested that through his incarnation. It was a star of hope. It brought light into the darkness. All of these are truths underneath that outward story, whether the historical facts, who knows, 2,000 years ago, but that's not the truth. And I think the truth is a universal experience is being demonstrated there in that story. And even if that perhaps didn't happen that way, why not accept that story? Because doesn't it awaken devotion? Doesn't it, I mean, every year by this time, do we have one, a nativity scene up yet? It probably will be soon, if not now. <laughs> so, oh, here we go. <laughs> That's right there. Do you know, this is an interesting little side fact. The nativity scene is said to have been started by St. Francis, you know, in the Greccio, in a cave in Greccio. And uh, that must be somewhere, is that close to a CC Greccio, somewhere close there? He started that. And I think that resonates with everybody. The story, it's, in, it's the outward, but it's also the inward of giving ourselves. A redeemer has been born to take away the darkness in our lives that we may be born again into that light. So let's worship the Christ child in that way because that is a deeper truth there. Now today, I want, uh, there's sort of two texts or two thoughts that I want to share with you today. One is on about the spiritual eye and the star of the east. And the other is the meditation that is coming up on Saturday. As you know, we're going to have our annual eight-hour meditation. We do it every, every, uh, every year we've done it. It was started by Paramahansa Yogananda when he came back from India. He began to have this on it. First, he had it on the 24th of December, but uh, because on the 25th, it's usually a social occasion, he found the cooks, I think, rebelled <laughs> and said they had so much to do that after a couple of tries on the 24th, he moved it to the 23rd. You could say it's a spiritual Christmas, and when people go within, try to experience longer, deeper, more thirsty God-given meditation or Guru-given meditation, have a chance to practice that. And we've been carrying on that tradition here at Ananda Village since the first one I believe we had here was 1969, but Swami used to do it in San Francisco before that time. And that's when I attended my first one at that time. And we've been doing it every year since the annual tradition. And I want to encourage all of you to come. It's a special time. It's a time when many people have felt blessings 
at that meditation. And if you listen to the recordings of Master, Master, you know, he would reference how Christ had appeared to people during that meditation. And I still feel that that spirit of Master, spirit of Christ, is alive today. So you might have a blessing, just even if you don't feel it in that special sense. There is a special blessing at that annual meditation. So I encourage you to come and uh, see for yourself. It's a good discipline, if nothing else, just to be able to sit there for a period of time. But I want to also share with you a story. And it concerns uh, a blessing that I had in 1986. Had a blessing that uh, at a uh, Christmas meditation. Now, normally we don't, we're advised, you know, if you feel a blessing, you know, don't keep it to yourself. But, you know, I look back on my life and I was a different person. That was somebody else. It's almost like 30, how many, 30, 30 plus years have gone by since that time. So I'd like to share this story because I think maybe it has some certain lessons, certainly lessons that applied to me, but I think also perhaps there are lessons that might apply to all of us as well. Now, uh, oh, actually, before I start on that story, I was thinking about, you know, the meditations we used to have in those days, and Swami would lead them. And uh, some of you were probably there, too. He came, well, there was a different one when he came on one time. He was, waited till the very last minute to show up for the meditation, and everybody had been gathered in there. It's the old temple over there. And he came right at the last minute. And he was in his, uh, like he traditionally would wear, he'd wear, I think he had a dhoti, his orange dhoti and a kurta, and he had a shawl. He would, and he walked in and he says, it's stuffy in here. Open the windows. Were any of you there? <laughs> now, if you go out today right now, what is it, maybe 60 degrees out there, 55, 60 degrees. It was one of those years when it was about 35 degrees out there. It was, and it was about like this, no sun, 35. It was freezing out there, it was really cold. And he says, open the windows. And so of course everybody opens all those windows over there and keep them open. And so we, you know, we went and I looked around and there was sort of like a paleness <laughs> came over some people because it was got cold. Now, I was fortunate because I had brought a big wool blanket with me and I was, I didn't, not in anticipation of that, but just generally it was my habit. And so all the windows were open and some people were sitting close to those windows. I could see that they were starting to get, they were really cold and they stayed open until the break, the intermission, and it got cold in there. And then, you know, at intermission, whew, people went out to get, to get something warm. But the point of this is, and then when they came back in, I think Swamiji, I believe, got up and went to the washroom. And while he was gone, people some surreptitiously started closing those windows. But they left the one right behind Swamiji, right behind the other, they left that one open. And he came back and he didn't move. He did not move. He just, and he had his orange dhoti, shawl, out, out kurta and shawl, all day. 
the rest of us were just like that. So I think it's something, it was very inspiring to me of what we need to do, dump the body, go beyond the body, sit still. And that's an opportunity at Christmas, at that Christmas meditation to practice those things. But back to my story, the, which was uh, 1986. And some of you were there, many of you perhaps were there as well. And basically it was in the morning and Swami was meditating, it was going just as normal, but during one of the periods of the meditation, he interrupted it and he said, Divine Mother has given me a message that I want to share with all of you. Asked me, she has asked me to share this with you. And uh, I, I typed it or took it off the internet and I'd like to read it to you. He says, Divine Mother spoke through Swamiji. This is Ananda Village Christmas Meditation, Tuesday, December 23rd, 1986. Swamiji said, Divine Mother has asked me to convey these words to you. I am very pleased with all of you. I am very pleased with what you are doing. But don't live in littleness in petty things, little thoughts, little worries, little ambitions. Live for me, for my love. I am your mother through all eternity. Nothing else matters. You were born to commune with me. For no other reason were you born. Live in my consciousness. Everything else is dust. I know all your thoughts. Your devotion is very pleasing to me. You are my children. You all are very dear to me. Live more in me. Live in my love. Yes, build a community, but in the sense of communion with me. My children, I am always with you. I am just behind your thoughts, just behind your feelings. I am with you every second. Let no other thought come between me and thee. And then he went back to meditation and we continued to meditate. Now, that in itself was a blessing to be there for that. That was a blessing. But there was one more thing, which I'll come to. But in, before I go further, I have to give it a little context. And you have to understand where my mind was at that time. Uh, I'm a bit of a skeptical person. <laughs> I'm a, you know, I, I, I was born that way. You know, that, <laughs> that's how I look at it and I try to, I try to reform, not be too skeptical, because skepticism has its purposes. But I tend to be skeptically overly sometimes, and I was more so then, that was 30 plus years ago. That's why I don't quite relate to it as much anymore. But I was, skept I was skeptical. You could say something and I would not believe it necessarily unless I experienced it for myself. I, you know, you know, I was that way. And Swami used to tell this story, which I've related uh, elsewhere, 
He used to tell this story about the Englishmen riding on the train. And they were riding on the train out in the countryside, and they, one Englishman says to the other, ah, my dear friend, look at the sheep over there on the hillside. Yes, I see the sheep. He says, don't you notice that they've been recently shorn? Somebody's sheared the sheep that took the wool. And the other one says, yes, I agree. At least on this side. <laughs> <laughs> and when Swami would do the punchline, you know, and he'd start laughing. He'd do the punchline, he would kind of look meaningfully at me. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I was. That's how I was. That's how I was. I just didn't, you know, I was, I don't accept it. But, but I have to admit, you know, when I read the autobiography, I couldn't believe any of it. You know, I some believe some of it. It was just too fantastical for me. But my saving grace, if there was, was I didn't reject it either. I just wouldn't accept it into my, that's true. I didn't say it was false. I just said, well, it's on the shelf and I'll put it there. So whereas some people, if they don't believe it, they say, well, it's false. It would, I didn't go that far. But, it was, you know, it was, but I was like that. And so this has, you have to think of it in that way in terms of what I mentioned. So Swamiji reads, he recites these words, and he goes back to meditating. And I said, oh, that was, my mind starts going like this. Was that really true? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm just how I am. And he says, was that really? I don't know. Maybe, possibly, or was that just, was that really, he was thought relating what Divine Mercy said, or was he just sort of being inspired? You know, Swami's poetic. So he said, maybe that was that. And now my mind started, and I was just kind of, on one hand, that was going on. The other hand was saying, Jaya, come on. <laughs> just that it was inspiring to go with it. And no, I was like that. I don't know if any of you are like that, but some of us are. And so I was going like that. And well, so this was going on, maybe within a few minutes after Swami finishes this, all of a sudden, the spiritual eye appeared in my inner vision. Bright. Just like that, up there, up on top, but much brighter, much brighter and beautiful and inspiring and boom and I looked and my mind stopped all of that nonsense stopped and I looked into that light and I knew enough to recognize what I was seeing and I gazed, started gazing I tried to absorb myself in that light to the best I could and I obviously I felt very inspired I felt blessed, grateful, uh, all of those things that you would naturally feel. And this lasted for about 12 to 15 minutes. Then it didn't go away, solid. And then it started to fade. And I was so inspired by that. And I learned a few lessons by that, and it changed me. Not immediately, I didn't all of a sudden get up and was different, but I began to change a little bit. And there was some lessons that came to me out of that. One was, my God, everything that Master has said 
is true. It's true. Now, I knew it was true, but, but it was intellectually I knew it was true, but I didn't have any experience of it being true. That was the first time I'd ever seen something like that. And I'd been meditating then. What was that? That was 17 years. I finally see something. Well, it's true. And the fact and that importance of that personal experience is I had been teaching a little bit up in, I was a minister at that time doing Sunday services, and I'm doing my duty. But a sense of with seeing that spiritual eye allowed me to say, I have seen it. It's true. And it gave me the assurance, not just with that spiritual eye, but it gave me the assurance with Master's teachings. It's true. It's true. What he has brought is true from my experience. And with that assurance, I could teach. I could share. And it's permeated. I just, I didn't, I, was, I wasn't presenting saying, yeah, but I don't know. And, and it was true. So that was the first lesson. Second lesson was, Swami was saying, I mean, that's what's happened. It, 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 it was no coincidence that came right after Divine Mother had spoken through Swami. And it was because I was going like that, and Swami, Swami was a channel. And I, he was a channel for Master. And I said, he is a channel for Master. To me, put it that way, maybe to me at least. Then, and also, take seriously the words that are being, that are being said here. For no other reason were you born. Live in my consciousness. Everything else is dust. I'm always with you. I'm just behind your thoughts, just behind your feelings. I'm with you every second. Faith. Faith comes out of that. I'm with you. And you can go forward. I could go forward. I said, well, okay. Now, so I began to slightly change with that, and things began to fall into place a little bit. But a thought came up to me, which is kind of what I wanted to chat about. A thought came to mind. Now, this was so real to me, there was no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt that it was not my fantasy, any fantasy. It was so real. And I thought, well, Master said that this is a universal experience. And obviously, this is what was being said. Matthew was talking about this as the star. Uh, the, the, the star that we, we follow that star and of course Master went on to explain the gold of the astral world the blue of the causal world and the star of the Christ consciousness and he described all that he described the colors he even said these are my colors white gold and blue and he described all that and I said now Master described this in detail if you read his writings in detail I thought why hasn't anybody else said this? And I realized, and you, we take it for granted, that this is common you know, in, in spiritual traditions. Name me one other than out of master's teachings. You don't find, and now you find some references, but to the degree of clarity that master gave 
to a universal experience of everyone, why hasn't anybody else done that? Now, you see, here's my skeptical mind coming in, but it wasn't skeptical. It's my inquiring mind was asking this. And, uh, and I came up with some thoughts. I thought, well, this is interesting. And I don't know the answer, but I can give you a couple of thoughts that came to mind. Because I, want, I would say, you think about this and tr see if you can answer this. Why? Well, I think it was kind of like Kriya. Kriya is always, you know, it's been there. People have known Kriya. It's ancient technique. Master said so. But it wasn't spoken about. Priestly secrecy and mankind's indifference. There's some of that. And I think, but in the same way, it was master's mission, or the mission of, of all of our masters, but, you know, Paramahansa Yogananda being the, the spokesperson for that, out into the world, it was master's mission to introduce this Kriya in the world in this age. Because we have entered into a new age. We are entered into an, and a time when people can understand these things. They can cognize these things. They can, they can work with them. And I think in the same way, the teachings of the spiritual eye are the same. They're part of Master's mission to clarify that. It's, a universe. it's not our spiritual eye. And it's, you know, it's not just unique to our tradition. But Master was the one in this, because we have entered into an age of awareness where people can understand this, it was part of his mission to clarify this and bring this. These are my colors. And he brought this out into the world. And I think the world itself, the awareness of moving into a new yuga, has reached the state of consciousness where people can integrate this. And that's, and I, I don't think others, other great traditions have not mentioned this, except obliquely, symbolically. I mean, here in the Bible, he, they, you know, Christ didn't mention a, blue, a star and, and the spiritual eye and all of that. He could have, but it wasn't appropriate at that time. People would have not had any concept of what was being offered, but now they do. And I think... In a sense, when I've come to understand that, I've realized this is Master's mission, to bring these teachings, these esoteric sides of these teachings, out in the world today. And it's, so it's going to be in the ages to come. He has like opened the door to these teachings, very deep teachings, this door to the, what the teachings of what is meant here, even by the, by the nativity out into the world so that people understand it and can have the ability to understand it in this time. And so I think we all of us here, of course, are emissaries for all of that. And I think each of us here, we have the opportunity every year, and again, we'll have it on Saturday, to commune with that inner light and perhaps these sorts, and realize that these sorts of things are a reality. Because, and we go into these not realizing that grace can descend 
on every one of us, and it has descended already. The fact that we're even here doing this, it's an act of grace, but, great, but special acts of grace can descend upon each one of us. And let us make it so on Saturday by being open and receptive because we have to call, I think if, or it's better if we call. Now, in my case, I wasn't calling, but I was given a, God touches us in different ways. And so it is, each of us also can be touched in those ways. And in this way, communing with that inner light, communing with the vibration, communing with that sound is how we can celebrate Christmas every day in our, in our meditation, in our devotion, and visualizing that nativity scene, the devotional sweetness, so sweet. And I think God, Guru are so sweet. And Divine Mother, thinking of her today, when I was playing these chants, I was thinking of her, why I chose those chants, is bringing the Divine Mother actively into our life. She chose Swami in that one case to be a channel, but really all of us are channels. All of us can be that channel to be able to bring her consciousness out into the world and you could say be instruments of that grace in our, in our personal spiritual search, but all of us together realizing when we come together, we have a certain power that is manifest and let's use that power, let's come together this is the grace that all of us have, the opportunity all of us have every year. And it could be more than once a year, but let, we, let's certainly in Christmas time, let's fulfill the, that potential and let's build that power more and more every year at the Christmas meditation. So God bless all of you. And I hope to see you all on Saturday. God bless. I went, I seen a star rise in the east, and I'm looking for a friend to vision sent us here. We're looking for a friend to Long journey we would end 
Therefore we've come to Bethlehem. We are looking for a friend to Come with you. Perhaps he's just around this bend. But whether near or far, I too have been looking for a friend. Once there lived a tiny nightingale in the ancient land of Israel. Not a note he ever sang until that night when Christ was born. That night, that night, no song he did sing so wise men tell till that night when Christ was born. On that night he Christ was born that night. 
that night. No song we can sing, so wise men tell till that night when Christ is born. That night, that night. No song we can sing, so wise men tell till that night when Christ is born.